take your Bibles and turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Um, this passage, it's just uh, coming more and more to be a, a passage that is so helpful, so practical. And uh, I just want to say it again, that if you... As an individual, you're saying, I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Then I, I want to encourage you to put this to memory. And not just put it to memory, but just start owning it. Own the passage. Own it. And you'll start seeing how God will work in His wonderful way, according to His Word. And the whole theme of this has been to, uh, how to stand firm in the Lord. And so if, if you're saying, I am a Christian, I know that. I know God saved me. Well, this is one passage out of many, many, many that's going to help you stand firm and be strong in the Lord. Um, and so, you see it in your outline there, in the bulletin, what territory we've or what ground we've covered here in in philippians chapter four what i'd like to do is start um i'd like to read it from verse one in chapter four down to verse nine and so just follow along and ask god speak to my heart god we need this time therefore my beloved brethren whom i long to see my joy and crown so stand firm in the lord my beloved I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true comrade, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, If there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Heavenly Father, we bow before you here and thanking you for the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you for your word's authority. We thank you for your word's clarity. We thank you the the fact that it focuses on Jesus Christ and the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would help us here today. Guide us in this time. And Lord, keep, keep the distractions uh, from our hearts right now and our minds. And may we truly focus in on you and what you have for us. That in the end, uh, we could glorify the Lord in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have looked at how to live in harmony, how to live joyfully, live gracefully, live prayerfully, live thoughtfully. 
Okay. And now we come to this number six. And this is verse nine. And I was all raring to go to the next passage here. In, uh, and it dawned on me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait. We got to get this one. We got to kind of squeeze this one in verse nine before we move on. And it's important that we understand about what we're called to do here. It's not just about learning. We're going to talk about learning. But it's about live purposefully. Live purposefully. And maybe some of you read the book uh, by Rick Warren, uh, Purpose Driven Life. And uh, there's a, you know, some... I, I've not read it, so I'm not sure exactly what, what's all there, but... Um, you know, it, it was a catchy kind of a thing. And one thing that I want to have us understand is we can't just you know, come up with our own purpose, right? We've got to draw it from Scripture. And the thing that I mentioned already that has to be drawn from Scripture is the gospel. We've got to learn what the gospel is about. There's our purpose. There's our foundation. There's our our whole life support system, if you will. <laughs> okay? And so, it's to live purposefully. Um, I'm, you might remember days, uh, I remember days when I was a young boy, it, you know, I, I remember things of, that I did that I regret doing, and I think, why did I do that? It's like, it comes back to this, I really had no purpose driving my life. And so, here in our time today, I hope that this helps with this idea of living purposefully. I was going to say just live fully. But I think there's more of a, a focus here on this when we say number six is live purposely, purposefully. And so it's, just, it's simply by doing, by being doers. Now, I want you to look again at verse nine. Look at verse nine and, and follow along here. The things that he's just talked about, the things that he's just referred to, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Okay, Paul spent some time at this church in Philippi. Okay, he was its founder. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Okay, so he, he founded this church, he spent time there, and now he's, he's coming back to this thing. The things that you've heard, learned and received and heard. Okay? So we start with this first one. It's the, the things that you've learned. So we want to see, what I believe is in this passage are three goals of learning. Three goals of learning. And according to Paul's teaching, living purposefully not only starts with, but continues on with active learning. It's not just a matter of accumulation of facts. See, in the Western world, I think our, our concept of learning is just that, you know, someone has gone to school and accumulated a lot of facts. And we say, oh, they're a what? A learned person or an educated person. And they might have a degree up on the wall in their office. 
and we think, oh, they're a learned person. But are they really? We figure that's the case. But what I, I think we see unfolding here is there's different levels of it. And that's what I want to point out here this morning. We see it's not just a matter of getting a head full of knowledge. Paul wants to take us beyond just a head full of knowledge. There's, there needs to be knowledge that we grow in. We've got to learn doctrine. We've got to learn what the Bible says. I believe Paul gives these three goals of learning here. Letter A. The first one is intake. Intake. This first level is simply instruction. Here's instruction to help influence your mind, to influence your thinking. And those times, again, what Dale referred to in leading us in prayer, those times that you first sat down and you first started taking in the Scripture and learning it. Okay? Hopefully there was uh, illumination there. God helped helped you to come to understand what His Word is talking about. And so Paul says, these things, or the virtues that you have learned, here's the, it's an intake at this stage. And the book of Proverbs, for instance, in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs talks about it to a young son. You know, receive my sayings. Receive instruction as a wise son. Incline your ear to it. It says, receive the instruction. And then it says, pay attention to it. A lot of times, you know, um, we can get into our ruts. We can get into ruts in in teaching because it's like, uh, here it is again, another Sunday. Got to go to church. Here we go. Sit there and listen to the preacher. Yeah. Sing the song. Go home. <laughs> and it is. It, it's, a, a, it's a tendency that we all have. So I'm not, I'm not ragging on you here. It's just, that's the tendency. It can be there. And so we want to, you know, ask God, Oh Lord, please help awaken my soul within me so that when I come and hear your word and worship, it's with heart. It's not just out of rote memory. Okay? And that's the thing. I, I hope that, it, that it's true for you. That there's life in your worship. It's not just stagnant. You know? Alright. Now, this intake level. This first level of learning. Okay? This is good. We want you to have intake and instruction that you receive okay so that there might be influence in your mind about the things of god starting to overtake the old man and the old ways that's what the word of god is about it helps you know wash the the mind of the old things the selfish things right now what's the the idea of our of our title of this series how to stand firm in the lord Now, I want to challenge you in this. Maybe the reason you're not growing and you're not stable 
and you're not standing firm is due to little or no intake in your life. Where's the instruction coming from? Where, what kind of intake do you have in your life? Okay. And let me throw this one in. Listen to this. For many, many of you Christians, the intake is there. But I have a little illustration that I will ask in the form of a question. Are you like the flooded little engine that gets flooded? What happens to a flooded engine? You can't start it. It just, you know, you keep pulling on that thing. And, and then, you, you, you know, for me, I, I said last week, I'm not one of the sharper tools in the drawer. And so I keep pulling it and pulling the choke. And, and then I'm smelling something. What's that smell? Why is it not starting? It's flooded. And I ask you, are you flooded? You have the intake? Your, your potential is there for the combustion to take place. But what's going on? And what good is that little engine when it's flooded? What good is it? It's stuck in the garage. It's not going to do its job. And although we don't think of it in that way, many Christians are just like that. Plenty of intake. Plenty of knowledge. Plenty of facts. Plenty of, oh, I've done that. Yet we're, we're kind of paralyzed. We're not, we're not really active. We're not doing what we ought to do. But I know, because I go to church and I have intake. And let me get this straight. It's important that we have intake. You've got to have the influence. You've got to have the, the instruction, right? Yeah? But my fear is that we are a people that aren't doing a whole lot in that regards of stepping out and, and taking action. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Ends up, you know, is there a greater concern for, you know, the actual intake and uh, looking like something that's supposed to work, but it doesn't really work. What we want to do is be Christians that are working, involved, okay? So, that's the first level of learning, that there is intake in your life. Second, letter B on the back of your outline. The second level or the second goal of learning is letter B, infusion. The reason I use this is I really like the definition here. Uh, Let me share this with you. You might have your own idea of infusion, but let me share what Mr. Webster says on this. To cause to be permeated with something that alters for the better. (laughs) Ha ha. It alters, it permeates, and so that it alters for the the better. Infusion. You have intake, and now the infusion of learning, 
you want it to take place. You want it to stick. You want it to start growing, start dominating more. And notice what he says in Philippians 4, verse 9. Look back at the verse, verse 9. The things you've learned and received, okay, and that you've heard and seen. All these are, are, are purposeful words here to help us to about the, this progress in learning. So, the things that you've received. It takes a deeper step here. Because really what it's getting at is your will. It's not just head knowledge. Now, now it's affecting your will to do something. Right? Causes more change. So that these truths that you're learning from, not just Philippians, but from the Bible, that these truths would dominate more and more and that they're permeating your thought life more and more. And more of the old man stuff, the old nature stuff is getting cleaned out because of the, here's the, the intake of the word and the infusion of the word. It's making a difference because of God's working in your life. Then, then Paul adds uh, the things that you've received and the things that you've heard and seen in me. Now he's taking another step into the learning process where we see it in another. Here's another person. We see it's being done. It's possible. And I remember when I was first saved back in the, in the early 1970s, I, I remember seeing people at church that I looked up to and they, because they were, they were mirroring the image of Jesus Christ in their behavior. They were mature, you know, and that's what we have. Many of you people right here in this room, people look at you and see, they see Christ. And that needs to keep Keep going. Keep rolling, as we say. Keep maturing in that. Keep the momentum going. You know, it's the idea here, this learning process. Here's the idea where the truth is incarnated in a person. And what I mean by that is that the truth so was taken in by Paul and infused in his life that now he starts living it out. And that's the idea of incarnation. He fleshes it out in his life. He says, and, and this is really something with Paul, with anyone like Paul, who says, you look at me. The things you've learned from me, received and heard and seen, you do it. Okay? That's a pretty bold statement. And you wonder if, if more, especially more TV preachers really consider doing that. They'd have to open themselves up to, you know, being more vulnerable about what they're doing on their off time. <laughs> but see, that's the idea, Christian, that we would be, that we'd have that transparency about our lives so that your children or your friends can look at you and see you mean it. You're genuine in it. You're sincere. But you're on track with Christ. Not just 
sincere. <laughs> All right? And so, Paul here has shown the example of... He's shown this to the Philippians, the example of living for Christ. He's shown that to him, But he's also shown another example. And that's the example of integrity. The example of integrity. It's no empty claim on Paul's part. And that's... A, that. I say these things so that it would be a challenge to your soul and your heart. What's really going on there, my friend? Have you gotten stuck at the intake level? And you know things? Infusion hasn't yet taken place. It's not really, you know, dominating. But that's what God would have us to do. To, to learn in that kind of a, a progression. So, this idea of infusion. Let me take a little rabbit trail here. Follow along with me now. It's really about one issue. One subject. We say we have intake of the Word of God. And we, we're, we're trying to, you know, figure things out in that at that level of learning, intake, I'm, I'm trying to learn things, I'm trying to understand things, but infusion, infusion is, here it is, it comes to this, it's like a big funnel, it comes down into this, one thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of us that have been in church many years have kind of taken that item the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and kind of lined it up with a bunch of other items. And we, we now kind of put it on the shelf or something. But actually, the gospel of Christ, that can't be done that way. We can't do that with the gospel. The gospel has to be something that's living and powerful and active in our lives that we are reminding ourselves of. This is what ought to be dominating our, our, our thoughts, resonating within our minds. The gospel of Jesus Christ. But my, my temptation, my tendency, is that it, it gets put up on the shelf of my life as kind of a family heirloom. It's kind of like a, a cool collector's item. I just kind of file it up there, you know, and it's kind of up there with all the other little trophies of my life. And what I've done, if I've done that, I've really lowered the value of the gospel in my life. My friend, I want the, the gospel be a priori, a, a, you know, the priority in your life. Because it's Jesus. And what He did. Do you understand that? And this is how we come in, in this idea of how to stand firm. Here's living purposefully. And the, the idea is, here's this progression of learning. See, the gospel many times is, is treated like it's a relic or a family heirloom, just kind of sitting around collecting dust. And, well, I already did that. I did that already. 
Many of you know what it's like to be on a, a life support system. Many of you know what that's like for loved ones or maybe even yourself. You, you, being on a life support system means you, you have to be on that. You have to be on a life support system and you can't be without it. That's what I want to connect in your minds with the gospel. You need it. Even though you've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years, I don't care how long, you still need the gospel today and this week. And maybe this is the one of the issues, one of the problems, is because we don't really understand the need for the gospel, other than, oh, I'm, I'm, going, to say, I'm going to heaven. But see, it was never intended to just be a, a ticket that you get punched and now you're going to heaven. It's got to be a life support system mindset. Because the gospel is and continues to be the power of who? The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. All right? It's got to be the, the idea. Here's the, the daily support. A daily support. And a daily source of God's grace in my life. That we're relying on the gospel. Because here's, here's a quick rundown. The gospel starts with God. God's holy. God's perfect. You can't, you can't get along without Him. But you've offended Him. It's the fact of sin. And because God's perfect and the fact of sin is there, we all know that. We all admit to sin. But then it goes to the, the fact that there will be a penalty of sin. Judgment is certain. Judgment is certain with God. And here's, here's the grace that He offers through Christ. Christ paid the penalty for your sins. That's what we remember here at communion. Christ paid the penalty. And so that when the gospel is offered, the gospel is free unto you. It's free. You don't have to say, well, then I, I guess I got to sign up for this or do this. No, it's the gospel. It's there it is. The response on your part is that you don't pay anything. It's all been paid for by Jesus. But you must accept Christ. You must believe. That's not like, oh, just if you want to believe, go ahead and believe. And if you're not, just you can make up something else. It's cool. No. No. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the assurance that God brings through the gift of the gospel. You can read about it some more. I think we've made it pretty clear in your bulletin what matters most. Look at the back of the bulletin. Go through each of those points. But just remember that the gospel is something for today, not just for gaining salvation. The gospel is for now, today. It empowers me to live for Him. It enables me to say no to sin. No to all its temptations. It enables me to say that. No. 
It enables me to give Him praise and thanks. It enables me to serve Him. It enables me to proclaim Him, tell others of Him. It enables me to stand firm in trials and storms of life. So, you know what though? Stay with me. (laughs) The learning process is not completed just with infusion. We have the intake, have infusion, have it make a difference in your life, but the learning process is not done. Because thirdly, as our passage goes on here in verse 9, the third aspect of learning or the goal of learning is for industry. The industry of the Christian. Okay? Intake, infusion, leading to industry. That there's something going on inside. That something actually is produced in your life. Yeah, you know, we got Jerry Moat here, you know, helping, working at the, at the big factory out west of town. And for a while it sat, nada, nothing happening. Okay, now it's producing. Now they're working inside. And Christian, that's the idea. That we go beyond just the mere intake and go beyond, oh, all these great ideas because of infusion. Oh, great ideas, great ideas. Really deep theology. I mean that. <laughs> Not just tongue in cheek. But, you know, all these things. But now, where's the industry? Where's the action? What does Paul say? You've learned these things. You've received these things. You've heard and seen in me integrity. Now what? Practice these things. And he's focused on it. He's saying, it's these things. These things that we've talked about in just in Philippians. Turn back a couple of pages. Philippians 1.27. Oh, we got to go to 121. Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 27. Look at it. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. See that? He's not referring to some tradition thing. He's not referring to some church list. He's saying, conduct yourselves in a, ma- in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Go to chapter 2. Look at verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more... In my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. That you would will it in your life and work it out in your life. See, a lot of times we just figure, I've been saved, I know I'm saved, and the grace of God... um, that's, you know, hopefully God will do something, get something wound up in my life and uh, get me going. And we sit back and wait. That's, you, you're going to just keep sitting around waiting and you'll be like the flooded little engine sitting in the garage, not able to do anything. 
So there's got to be, okay, let the little engine sit and settle down and, you know, drain out whatever it needs to do and then get it started. And get it started and get going by your action, by your practice, by your behavior, by your conduct. That's what he's driving at. So the idea of industry is the end. Listen, here's where a lot of people think, oh, the church is supposed to do this. No, 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 no. This is a call for you, individual Christian, to be active, to be practicing these things, to you, you be doing it. You take up the responsibility. You do it. The church needs to be you know, proclaiming the truth. The church needs to be edifying the saints for the work of ministry. The church now really needs to be proclaiming the gospel, the evangel, so that the gospel will be heard because people come in. They're not all saved necessarily. That's why we need to proclaim the gospel here on a Sunday morning. Here's where we are to be at industry level. That we practice these things. A place where we not only graze and grow in the things of God, but that we experience gain. Produce. Fruit. Okay? I want you to mark these down. Mark these references down. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24 through 28 is the story of the two builders. One built his house on a rock. The other one built his house on sand. And there it is. There's one of the most visual pictures of this very truth. Build. Build your life in this way. Luke 11, another reference. Luke 11, 27 through 28. Also James chapter 1, 22 through 25. James is saying... Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer, only deceiving yourselves. So all of Scripture, there's, there's other passages, but all of Scripture is just reinforcing this, this idea of saying, don't just be hearers taking it in, but be doers of the word. I want you to look, um, just turn back a couple of pages out of Philippians, just the very book prior to Philippians, and that is Ephesians. Chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved. There's the gospel. It's by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. Salvation is not a result of works. That no one should boast. Because we boast in Jesus Christ alone. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? Right. So, it's here where the Christian we find working on all cylinders, if you will. All right, working on all cylinders. 
There's intake. There's been the, the wrestling with it and the meditating on it and the perusing of it in your mind, the infusion, and now the industry that causes you to say, I, I will walk in this way. I will live my life in this way. And we go out standing firm in the Lord, holding forth a banner of what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other way for a person to be saved. You know people. You know people in this community and people that are in your family, wherever they live, you know, and what, what do they need? We, we pray and we struggle thinking, oh, they, if they just could do this or just this. Bottom line is they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. That will change them. So it's the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and here's obedience to God. That's the idea underneath industry. Working on all cylinders. And we come to this last little point with the little asterisk there, the guarantee of your purposeful living. What's the guarantee? of the purposeful living of a Christian. The, the guarantee of purposeful living, go back to the text, verse 9, and the God of peace, the God of peace will be with you. He turned it around, didn't he? Back in verse 6, he's saying the peace of God that passes all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now he's saying, you do these things, you practice this, and the God of peace will be with you. I don't know what's more revolutionary than that. In our day and age, in what you deal with, in what we see friends dealing with, in all that goes on. And people are hanging on to empty promises. That's what people are doing in this community. They're hanging on to something that's going to fail them. Having right thinking. Listen, we can all say, oh, we got right thinking. I think we got the right thinking. <laughs> yeah? Are you with me? Okay? So, having right thinking, listen, without right conduct is really not right thinking. Without the right conduct, what is it? So, right thinking results in right conduct just as humble belief is to be translated into holy behavior. Humble belief. How could God do this? God did what? God God did it all? God paid? His son paid for the penalty of my sin? How could that be? And all, all that's required of you is what? Believe. Believe God. Believe Him. Humble belief is to be then translated into holy behavior. And what's the whole idea of learning? Bible learning, same thing. 
Bible learning translated into Bible living. Live it out in your life. The guarantee is, and the God of peace will be with you. What a joy knowing that He is with you in that capacity. So this is the buildup of his thought. You're not standing firm if you have no peace in your life. You're not standing firm if you have no peace with God and you don't know the peace of God. You stop and think about it. And here it is in front of you. Here's the, here's the way in which you can put it into action. If you say you're a Christian, here it is. If you're not a Christian, then you need to come to know God so that you will have peace in your life. You need to come to know God through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? Standing firm? It's only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue in this passage the next two weeks at least. (laughs) Because there's more. And part of the reason is is that there's there's a need, a great need that we Christians have to stand firm in the Lord. Following His His teaching here in Philippians chapter 4. Okay? 